In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Trinity Sunday invites us to come up into the sacred mysteries of the celestial throne room. We are taken into a place that we dare not enter on our own. But on account of St. John the Revelator, we are given a glimpse of the ineffable, eternal worship given to Almighty God by creatures that can hardly be described with human language. For St. John to even see these images, he had to be caught up in the Spirit. This ascent into heavenly worship recalls Moses' invitation from God to ascend Mount Sinai. Moses' experience with God at this mountain was also a mystical encounter, not given to exacting descriptions, but we are told that Moses was enveloped in a cloud of smoke which echoed with thunderous lightning. No doubt those at the foot of the mountain trembled in fear. The message in both places is that of the eternal choir, that the God we worship is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And the way we enter into this choir is through the Spirit. This is the essential message of Trinity Sunday, as our Gospel for today says, quote, Unless one is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Trinity is the mystery of reconciling time to eternity. In time, our salvation is accomplished by the Eternal Father who sends His Son in the power of the Spirit. This doctrine is a sacred mystery which has been articulated in the creeds and confessions for the last 2,000 years, perhaps most notably by St. Athanasius, the young Egyptian theologian of the 4th century who battled enemies inside and outside the church over this very doctrine. Though a mystery, the Trinity is not to be understood as a murder mystery, wherein we try to hunt down clues using logic and reason but rather it is a mystery in the sense of being a mystical thing which we cannot fully apprehend by mere reason, but which is a matter that has been divinely revealed. Today's focus on Trinity Sunday is not on what God has done, but rather on who God is. This is why Trinity Sunday is also a shift and a new beginning. For in the first half of the Christian year, we do focus on what God has done in His mighty acts of salvation. In Advent, we prepare for and celebrate the coming of the Son of God, and in each subsequent liturgical season, we celebrate the things that God has done for us in Christ. Last week, on the Feast of Pentecost, we celebrated the sending of God's Spirit, which guides and directs the church into its new life in Christ. But today there is no 
historical narrative or explanation of salvation history. There is simply the revelation of who God is. Holy, holy, holy. In this second half of the Christian year, we are called to take up our primary vocation as one who worships the triune God. In other words, our primary vocation as a worshiper. This is where we are most challenged in this long season known as Trinity, which will take us right up to the eve of Advent. In the Trinity season, we travel, we play, and we enjoy God's creation. These are good things which we should do. But it is also in the Trinity season where we find it most difficult to practice our disciplines of prayer, fasting, tithing, worship, and service. God seems so much closer during the times between Advent and Easter than in the 16th, 17th, and 18th Sunday in Trinity. However, as Bishop Scarlett stated last week in his sermon, the further we get from the initial excitement of our faith and are able to develop practices of sustainability, the more we are able to mature and prepare for the long journey that each of us is making towards the throne room of heaven, where one day we will cry, holy, holy, holy. Since I've been talking about the Trinity and worship, a practical question might be, how does the Trinity inform our spiritual practices and our life of prayer? How does this doctrine explain our experience of faith? The English spiritual director Martin Thornton has a Trinitarian framework for understanding prayer, which is helpful for maintaining what we might call a balanced or sustainable prayer life. Since prayer touches all of our emotions, and each of us has a unique temperament, we are drawn to certain distinctive spiritualities, which may lead us into a direction of either isolation, or perhaps we are drawn to overdo it. In the Christian tradition, a framework for prayer is called a rule, or a rule of life. Thornton refers to the rule of life in a threefold manner. One, the daily office. Two, holy communion. And three, devotion, which summarizes Acts 2.42, which gives us a glimpse of the earliest Christian practices, quote, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. In the daily office, also known as morning and evening prayer, we make objective offerings or worship to God the Father. This is reminiscent of temple worship where there was a daily morning and evening sacrifice. In the Holy Communion, we participate in the breaking of bread, which focuses on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and what He has done for us. The focus in the communion is on union with Christ, or as the prayer book says, that he may dwell in us and we in him. And the third aspect of this threefold rule is devotion, or private prayer, or what we might call contemplative or meditative prayer. 
This is prayer where we are, for lack of a better term, praying in the spirit, uttering things that words cannot even describe. This framework has been helpful for me personally to understand the various ways that we pray as Christians, and it also keeps us from falling into the temptation of focusing on one person in the Trinity or conflating all the persons into the same role. Meditating on the Trinity is hard work. It is difficult. And practicing a rule of life requires discipline and is challenging. In fact, many of us are put off and scared by such a dreadful task. A modern pastor, Brian Zond, challenges us with this thinking when he says, quote, we've so domesticated what it means to follow Jesus that it's more demanding to be a vegan than to be a Christian. Yes, it is demanding to be a Christian, and it will be even more demanding in the days ahead. But the demand and the challenge is open to all who seek rest, to all who are weary, and to all who long for that celestial city. If you long to grow in your faith and in your spiritual life and are perhaps confused or overwhelmed, please talk to any of the clergy or any of our leaders who can walk with you in this life of faith. Today, remember that God is inviting all of us to come up here and join the choir of angels singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. <laughs>